Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Happy New Year, and it's still okay to say Happy New Year, by the way, and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. Here is a quick announcement. Our January heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine designed to help moms build a better future for themselves, their families, and loved ones is live at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. January's theme is The New Me, The Journey Begins. The magazine offers inspirational stories from our dedicated team of experts to help you navigate your current situation with confidence in your motherhood journey as the COO, if not the CEO, of your family. So please go to inspirationsforbetterliving.com and treat yourself to some engaging, entertaining, and enlightening stories. You deserve it. As for our radio show this morning, my guest for Today is Teresa Velarde. Teresa is an author, publisher, host of Conversations That Makes Differences, Conversations That Makes a Difference, podcast, coach, and a potter. She uses the art of pottery to illustrate how each ball of clay can be transformed into a beautiful work of art with a touch of the potter's hand. She guides her clients through the process of centering, molding, shaping, and walking through the fire of challenges to affect positive life change as they gracefully and powerfully embrace the work of art they already are. Teresa found her passion and purpose through life's challenges while trusting God's plan. Faith, gratitude, and giving are her heart-centered approach to life. Her abilities as a writer, editor, and publisher are vital ingredients she offers to those who share their message with the world on her podcast and through her publishing platform. Her daily quiet time writing and gratitude practice keep her focus on her God-given purpose as life unfolds in our very ever-changing world. She believes we all have a story and a heartfelt message to share. Teresa's latest book, A Daily Gift of Gratitude, a collection of stories from grateful hearts from around the globe, emphasizes the power of gratitude shared by nearly 100 authors. Teresa is also one of the featured expert contributors for our January Inspiration for Better Living magazine. Please go to inspirationsforbetterliving.com to read her inspiring and empowering story, Be an Overcomer in the Bubble of Quiet Confidence section. As for our kitchen table conversations this morning, Teresa and I will be talking about her remarkable life's journey and how to use gratitude to overcome and thrive in 2023, and also her best-selling book, A Daily Gift of Gratitude, a collection of stories from grateful hearts from around the globe. Happy Wednesday, Teresa, and welcome to From My Mom's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing today? I'm great, Donnie. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm excited to be here. Wonderful. It is a pleasure to have you with me. A daily give of gratitude, a collection of stories from grateful hearts from around the globe, is one of those books, I have to say, that once you start reading, you can't put it down. I know it's designed Mm -hmm. for a daily reading thing, (laughs) but once you pick it up, you just have to read. Its attractive layout engages you to experience your soul journey, the sharing of heart-centered and passion-driven practices by contributors from around the world made it very easy to read and an enjoyable read, as a matter of fact. And besides enriching our spirituality, the book is also a wonderful gift book year-round to our loved ones. So, Teresa, congratulations on this release. Thank you so much, and thank you for the kind words. You're absolutely right. These stories are so good uh, that once you read one, you have to see what the next person has to say (laughs) about the topic of gratitude. And, you know, there's a lot of overcoming that has happened um, Mm -hmm. in the lives of these people, and so it's really good to see, you know, how gratitude can change everything. 
So true, so true. Well, let's get started by getting to know you a little better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment. And by the way, we do have the whole hour, but I don't think you're that old that needs the whole hour <laughs> to share that with us. <laughs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, so I grew up um, on Long Island. I grew up in a small town called Rocky Point. And I'm the oldest of four. I have two sisters behind me, and the youngest is my brother. Um, we lived a, a a good life, I mean, with both my parents. Um, um, day-to-day living was, you know, um, as a youngster, was school and playing outside after um, after coming home from school, doing homework, whatever. And I, I learned that, um, you know, to be responsible as well, because the oldest, of, the oldest of four, I was the one that was, quote, unquote, in charge of things that were happening in the house until my mom got home from work. And she only worked two blocks down. So if there was a, a situation, I, I could easily contact her and she could be home in an instant. So, um, you know, I grew up there. I went to, I was the first graduating class out of Rocky Point High School, um, and I went on to a couple of years of college, and then um, I began, you know, what you would call your professional life. I worked for worked for an insurance company, and as a creative person, the insurance business, as, although I was in it for many years, um, was very dry and very not, I wasn't really honoring the gifts that I had been given um, as an artist, as a writer. Um, and I really didn't know I was such a good writer. I'd taken creative writing classes in school, and they were they were easy, they were fun. But what really honed my writing capabilities was when I started to journal. And so after high school, after college, I went to work for this company. I met this guy who eventually became my husband. And as you'll read in the article, um, I heard God say to me, uh, as I was on the altar, as I was at the altar, uh, that, you know, don't do this. Teresa, don't do this. I have someone so much better for you. And I stopped and I looked around and I saw everybody who had come to town for my wedding. And and I turned and I looked at the priest. I looked at my, I looked at my now ex-husband um, and I heard, again, don't do this. But I went ahead and did it anyway. I, my family was very Catholic. And my dad was really good with the guilt laying on um, on us as kids. I remember one time I was helping my grandmother in the kitchen, and I was I had an argument with her, and I knew I was doing wrong. I didn't want to yell at my grandmother, so I ran out the door, and I came down the stairs, and I fell, I tripped, and, and landed on my knees. And through the argument, I hadn't heard my father's old truck come running up, you know, come into the driveway, and there he was. <laughs> right over me. See that? God punished you. So <laughs> on that day, I thought God punished me. Lots of things happened between the time that I uh, married and got divorced. And in the meanwhile, the biggest gift from that was my ability to journal and put my feelings on paper and organize my thoughts in such a way that eventually um, entries from that journal would become entries into compilation books and would eventually lead me to um, open my own publishing company. And so um, that's, that's the whole thing in a nutshell. I feel, like I'm, <laughs> I, feel like I'm living, I feel like I'm living the life now that God had for me, um, you know, without the, mm-hmm. without the guilt and the shame and the remorse and all the things that came along with not listening to that still small voice. That I heard interesting. That day on the very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's wonderful. I mean, looks like, you know, we all live through different things in life. And it's amazing that over the years that we accumulate so much knowledge, information, and we have choices to make along the way. Looking back mm-hmm. when you were a child, were you an avid reader? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I was. I was a reader and and a crafter. Those were the two mm-hmm. things that really had my my attention. I anything to create something out of nothing. I mean, there was a time when I was doing lats hook rugs until they were until I was done, you know. And then there was a time when I would make whatever whatever the craft of the day was, or if there was mm-hmm. an art project that I really liked, I would you know repeat the project over and over again. 
Um, but the reading was was a daily thing. I would read every night before I went to bed. It could be, I remember this series of little books called The Apple Dumpling Gang. That I'm dating myself here, Johnny. Um, <laughs> and it was one of those things for me at that point that was like um, a series of books for kids that really mm-hmm. just had adventure, little adventure things that kids would do, you know. So mm-hmm. it was fun. I was an avid reader, yes. Very, very interesting. So when did being a reader sort of transition into writing? Well, like I said, creative writing in school, I learned, I, I love words. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. you know, I, even when I'm on my radio show, I say I'm a word nerd, and I am. Um, I have to know the meaning of them. I have to know how to use them. And mm-hmm. I just, I learned some of that in school, but then I learned a lot about when I, about writing when I started journaling, you know, it's the mm-hmm. uh, trial and error, like, do these words go together, whatever. But I was, I was journaling for two purposes. Number one, to hone my writing skills. And also, even before that, was to help me release the feelings that I was holding in my body that were um, keeping me from being the best Teresa I could be. So mm-hmm. that really helped me um, to get through some difficult times as a teenager. And then, of course, you know, I, I ramped it up <laughs> during my <laughs> um, marriage. So Very, very yeah. interesting. So the interest in writing sort of evolved over the years and – you find it easier to express yourself in written words rather than verbalizing your thoughts? Well, uh, gratefully, I can do both. Um, you know, and that's the reason why I have the, have the Conversations That Make a Difference podcast mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I feel like I can articulate what I'm feeling. I feel like I can articulate with my words um, similarly to what I can do in writing. Mm-hmm. Writing is like the, it's, it's like having a blank canvas for an artist. Like you, I just like whatever it is that flows through me is ending up on that paper. That might not necessarily be true when I'm talking, mm-hmm. but you know, I think they uh, they go hand in hand because I, you know, I I've learned how to I've learned how to express with words what I'm feeling that has ended up on the page. And that's, that's really helpful in my life, especially with talking to people, you know, about their books and, and um, being able to articulate, um, you know, the, the importance of the things that in my life that are relative to whatever the conversation is. How has writing helped you to sort of release anxiety and stresses? I'm so glad you asked this question. I'm so glad you asked this question. You know, um, I'm going to go to Wayne Dyer, for example. I mm-hmm. saw an interview with Wayne Dyer at one point in time, and he said that every single one of his books was handwritten on a legal pad. And mm-hmm. part of the reason for that is that the thoughts from your head travel through your body and onto the page. It doesn't, you don't have the same physical of experience with putting whatever it is that you're working on onto the page, excuse me, onto the screen using the keys and the keyboard as you do holding a pen in your hand. It Mm -hmm. it engages the body, it engages the nervous system differently, and Mm -hmm. it really helps to quell those emotions that we, we feel throughout our body. You know, you take what's in your head, take what's in your head, and write it down on a piece of paper. It has to go through all of this neurological process in order to be able to, um, you know, to write it down on the page. And for whatever mm-hmm. reason, I, I so, so, so relate to that process, and I understand how it works. I may not know the ins and outs physically. I can't tell you the path <laughs> that it takes, but. Um, yeah. I'm not a scientist, but it actually does help to to call the anxiety. There have been many, many times when I've written on the page whatever it is that's going on, what I'm feeling, whether it be anxiety, whether it be something that is keeping me from from moving forward with whatever it is that's next. 
and I find myself at the end of right making that journal entry, mm-hmm. taking a deep breath and a sigh of relief that now it's gone. Now it's out of my body on the page, and I can transform it into something that's going to be helpful to somebody else down the line if I choose to. Very interesting. I'm glad you shared that experience because that's what I experienced when I first wrote my uh, first book from my mama's kitchen because mm-hmm. I would sit down mm-hmm. every night for two hours when I committed myself and just start writing down on the uh, legal pad. And mm-hmm. every week or so at the end of the week, read it, review it, and then clean it up a little bit and then go on, you know. And yeah. you're right mm-hmm. about that process of transference because it's like that energy that flows through you to the pen and then to the piece of paper. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, and it's a, a it's a from an author standpoint of view, it's a wonderful feeling. And then it's like, okay, my brain's cleared. Next, uh, wait till tomorrow night. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. For something new to happen. Fortunately, that over the years I have been able to transfer that or transition that process, right? And you're talking about keyboard that I'm very comfortable in just picking up my laptop and, okay, let's sit down and just do the whole process. And you picture in your mind is that transference of whether it's knowledge, anxiety, uh, expressions that you want to share on a piece of paper, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, you know, I've gotten used to writing on the keyboard. Um, but when I have something that's really like, uh, when you can almost get, and I don't know if you you, you ex, um, experience this or relate to this phrase, but sometimes there are things that are stuck in the body that need to come out, <laughs> and they don't necessarily they don't necessarily come out until you actually put the pen to paper. For me, anyway, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've experienced mm-hmm. that. Have you? Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean the for, uh, like you were talking about, sort of like the toxicity. <laughs> <laughs> the heavy load <laughs> that you have to express. And then the beauty of it, what I uh, feel, and regardless, like now, you know, I do everything when I'm typing it out, but as you express yourself, you're able to articulate it. And that articulation of the verbiage or the alphabets, that's the panacea, for lack of a better term, that sort of mm-hmm. calm everything down. Yeah, exactly. I agree completely. So, uh, when, that I, do, I want to also add something in here. Yeah. I, um, I also want to say that during my writing process, I always, and I also was making pottery the same thing. I always invite God into the equation because without him, I'm nothing. And you mm-hmm. can choose, I mean, I don't know who people call higher power or whoever's listening to this, if you have a relationship with God, higher power, universe, whatever you call it, hear this as you will for your own use. But I, once I know that God is in the equation, I, I feel free, much, I feel protected and free to put whatever it is that's in my heart, in my mind, on those pages. So um, it's a spiritual experience as well as a, um, a writing experience. Of course. Well, the stuff that you write on paper is an extension of you. That's all. But the good news is that you can exactly. always file it off somewhere. <laughs> uh-huh. Exactly. It, it's out of the system, so to speak. Uh, that's yeah. the beauty of it. I, I think uh, it, it's like, you know, if one wants to look at it in today's world in terms of uh, you as a computer, well, guess what? You just download it on a flash drive. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> How did you realize you have an artistry eye for ceramic creations? Oh, this is this is a great story. Um, so in high school, I spent a lot of time in the art room, and I remember the day, like it was yesterday, that I had my first experience on the potter's wheel. Now, back then, um, the school that I went to, the high school that I went to, had – um, kick wheels. You know what a kick wheel is? <laughs> today, we, today there's electric potter's wheels. Um, but back then, there uh, the school had purchased them. There were electric potter's wheels at that time as well. But 
the school had purchased what they call kick wheels. And there was, um, there's a big wheel at the bottom and you have to do exactly what it, is, it says. You have to kick that wheel at the bottom in order to be able to make the, um, the place where you're going to create the pottery um, move around so that you can do the process. And the first time I, I did this, I felt something in my body that I had never felt before. And it was like, it felt like home, so to speak, if you know what I mean. Like the sense mm-hmm. of like, I know this, I ha- I know this, I know I can do this. And the teacher came over to me and said to me, you've done this before. And I'm like, well, not in this lifetime, <laughs> but I, you know, I felt it in my body that I, I came with this. We all come to this, we all come to this earth with our own gifts and talents. I believe that God mm-hmm. assigns us a mission and he gives us everything that we need in order to be able to carry that mission out. And one of, one of my gifts is the ability to make pottery. That's beautiful. That That's- really is. I, I agree with the fact that we all are gifted in our special way that joy is interestingly enough in the process that the journey is to discover that and that's the beauty of it you know and Mm -hmm. so in your case it's the duality of writing and obviously ceramic creation so when did the ceramic creation morph into a passion from the get-go from when the first Mm -hmm. time i made a a pot on the potter's wheel i think it, it became a passion of mine and so I after after high school I sought out places where I could actually go to um you know make pottery. Mm-hmm. My mother almost my mother I think my mother told me um after graduation one of the things that she wanted to do was buy me a potter's wheel. And oh. so and she yeah and she found an electric one and it didn't it didn't look like what I was using in the school <laughs> and I wanted to have what I was using in the school. So I said, oh, maybe not now. And eventually that exact wheel that she was looking at, um, mm-hmm. that same model, not that, 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 that exact wheel, but that model and whatnot became the, the wheel that I worked on for many, many years um, and gave lessons. I gave pottery lessons, and um, it, was, it, was just, it was just wonderful. And here, when I moved to Pennsylvania, I found um, local, local potters that, um, you know, we could – collaborate and give classes and whatnot and so it's it's something that's really part of who I am mm-hmm. uh, but it a passion from the get-go when I when I had my hands on that clay for the first time I just knew it felt I said it it felt like home it felt like it belongs with me <laughs> and so that's where it began very very interesting so unlike the transfer of that sort of anxiety or whatever we feel into words, right? So how mm-hmm. does a pottery project, though, what fascinates you about that? Because like you say, you're getting this lump of clay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Besides mm-hmm. the teacher saying, okay, you all make me a cup, a mug, so to speak. <laughs> oh, uh, something, you know, but... <laughs> for me, yeah. So for me, uh, you know, people would say to me, Teresa, can you make me this? Can you make me this? Can you yeah. make me this? And I would say, okay, when the time comes. And the reason that I would say that is because Mm -hmm. I am not a production potter. I'm not a production potter. I allow the clay to tell me what it wants to be when I'm Mm -hmm. working on it. So if I'm I'm making vases, I'll make vases until they stop. If I'm making plates, (laughs) I'll make plates until they stop. You know, yeah. so and then and then comes maybe the mugs, you know, um, or the bowls or whatever. Right, and, right, right. Um, you know, and there's it just I just allow whatever it is that is to come through me to happen while I'm working. And it was it's interesting because um there were many, many times when I first put my studio uh into this house that I would wake up in the middle of the night and not be able to go back to sleep and I would just go downstairs and be with the clay. You know how it, it, there's a there's um, a process called grounding that a lot of mm-hmm. people talk mm-hmm. about with putting your feet in the earth. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I find that when I put my hands in the clay, it's a grounding uh, process that happens. Part of the earth is with me on the wheel as I work with it. And it's a very grounding experience, and it's a, it's a way for me to uh, center and focus. All of the, the steps-making pottery are actually a formula for mm-hmm. having a transformation in your life. And that's what it does that's what pottery does. It transforms every ball of clay into a work of art. That's beautiful. That really is. So how did you find the creative synergy between synergy between your writing and yes. writing? All mm-hmm. right. So <clears throat> it's the storytelling process. Ah. The, the, it's the storytelling process. So the ball of clay starts out as a, um, as a lump and it transforms through the process. And in, in essence, there's a story being told during the process of making the pottery. And I have chills like that while I'm telling you this. The mm-hmm. same way that when you pick up the pen and you put it to the paper, there's a story being told. So it's the power of the story. And you know the power of the story, Donnie. You know the power mm-hmm. of the story. So yeah. every single piece of every single piece of pottery has its own story. Every single piece, every single page of my journal has its own story. Just like every single page of a daily gift of gratitude has someone's story on it. So it's the power of the story. Fantastic. And is that when you feel the spirituality side fit into the equation? Um, yes. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, I'll just say flat out, yes. It's, it's there all the time. The, spirit, the spirituality is there all the time. Once you, once you um, have developed the spiritual connection to God, source, higher power, universe, um, I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't leave you unless, of course, you turn your back on it. You know, there used to be, mm-hmm. um, there used to be a sign on the church that I went to as a child, um, as a youngster and as a teenager, even one of the priests in the parish put this sign on, on the street, a sign on the street every week, um, you know, a quote or something yeah. that was people along the way. And I'll never forget this. If God seems far away, who do you think moved? <laughs> and that has you asking the question, okay, if I'm not feeling comforted, yeah. protected, um, whole and complete, if I'm not feeling the way that I feel when I'm focused on God or I'm allowing God to work in my life, um, he's there all the time. So who mm-hmm. do you think moved if I, you know, <laughs> maybe I need to do something to come closer. So, and these two things, pottery and writing, always bring me closer to God. Fantastic. Wonderful. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. I'm Johnny Tan, your host. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Teachers Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. Here's a quick reminder to treat yourself to our heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. January's theme is The New Me, The Journey Begins. My guest for today is Teresa Velarde. Teresa is an author, publisher, host of Conversations That Makes a Difference, podcast, coach, and potter. She uses the art of pottery to illustrate how each ball of clay can be transformed into a beautiful work of art with the touch of the potter's hand. She guides the clients through the process of centering, molding, shaping, and walking through the fire of challenges to effect positive change, life change, as they gradually and powerfully embrace the work of art they already are. Teresa found her passion and purpose through life challenges while trusting God's plan. Faith, gratitude, and giving are her heart-centered approach to life. Her abilities as a writer, editor, and publisher are vital ingredients she offers to those who shared their message with the world on her podcast and through her publishing platform. Her daily quiet time writing and gratitude practice keeps her focus on her God-given purpose as life unfolds in our ever-changing world. 
She believes we all have a story and a heartfelt message to share. Teresa's latest book, A Daily Gift of Gratitude, a collection of stories from grateful hearts from around the world, emphasizes the power of gratitude shared by nearly 100 authors. Teresa is also one of the featured experts contributor to our January Inspiration for Better Living digital magazine. Please go to inspirationsforbetterliving.com to read her inspiring and empowering story. Be an overcomer in the bubble of quiet confidence section. Our kitchen table conversation this morning is about her remarkable life's journey and how to use gratitude to overcome and thrive in 2023. Teresa, why did you decide to get married even though you had doubts? Uh, man, so, <laughs> oh, if I had it to do all over again, Johnny. <laughs> um, I, you know, I'm standing at the altar, right? The priest that married my parents 50 years before this had, um, had agreed to perform the wedding ceremony. And when he asked me if I took this man to be my husband, that's when I heard that little voice, that still small voice of God say, Teresa, don't do this. I have someone so much better for you. And I stopped and I looked around and I saw all the people that had come from, you know, wherever they had come from. My family was all over the country and my father had, um, you know, uh, doubled up on his dental appointments so that he could look perfect <laughs> for the pictures. Uh, his mother had driven me crazy with getting everything perfect so that she looked really good for the wedding. And, and I looked at my mother and she knew. She knew I was having second <laughs> thoughts. So I turned back and the priest had to ask me a second time. And I, I looked around again and I thought to myself, all these people are here to witness this moment, and what am I going to do? Am I going to run away, or am I going to give them what they came here for? And I heard the words, I do come out of my mouth, and my heart sank to my feet. So I um, I wrote about this one time, and I think I said I sold my soul for a wedding band. Um, <laughs> and, that, and, that was, and that was the moment that was like, if I if I had it to do all over again, I would have hightailed it out of there in one, two, three. However, the saving grace for having gone through whatever I went through in this marriage, and it was there was a lot, and it's it's a conversation that would take a lot longer than we have here today. But there was a day when my son, who is now an adult, came into my office. He came to my office door, and he uh, he opened the door, and you know that you know the. Uh, the show Seinfeld and the character mm-hmm. Kramer. Okay, mm-hmm. Kramer doesn't just come into a room. He opens the door and he slides in. So I, I'm sitting at my desk and I'm working, and all of a sudden my door opens and in comes Joe. He slides in just <laughs> like Kramer, and that's the vision that I had. And I said, and this is what came out of his mouth. He said, "Mom, what were you thinking?" And I was like, <laughs> "What are you talking about?" He said to me, and. He said to me, you're the most brilliant woman I know. And Dad, he's a stupid man sometimes. <laughs> I looked at him and I said, I don't know what's going on. He says, well, how did this happen? I said, well, I guess it had to happen for me to have you, Joe. So That's true. <laughs> my, my, son, my son is the, is the gift that I got mm-hmm. from that relationship. And it didn't always seem that way because kids will be kids and they'll do the things that they do. We all have our own backstory. <laughs> um, but in the end, I'm so grateful to have this this uh, this now adult man as, as my son. It's, it's just amazing. But... That's fantastic. So That's I really think, wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I really appreciate you sharing that. I think we all go through that process because in reflecting back my wedding i mean years ago i'm single now and no kids and whatsoever but this is when i was young and so it was very very interesting because i lived my life rather regimentally right uh, at uh, mm-hmm. my goal was at 25 i wanted to own my first home well 24 and a half i have a brand new three bedroom two bath house <laughs> that kind of thing mm-hmm. and then at well uh, i'm getting to 28 years old now i need to get married <laughs> well, like so you go through the process, and I remember that my mom had mentioned to me, it was so funny, uh, she said, Johnny, you're thinking below the belt. 
<laughs> and I said, really? I mean, you know, my mom is very pragmatic, so it's very, very practical. It was so much fun. And I said, well, you know, I at the age where I think I need to settle down and so forth, right? And so forth. And uh, but anyway, make a long story short, to fast track it, you're talking about wedding day. Here I'm going to my wedding, and there were already tons of red flags, and I felt the same way you felt in terms of like, oh my God, all the people that showed up, what am I doing here? I'm going to be disappointing people. So I went ahead with it and we actually fought on our wedding night, believe it or not. And on our uh, honeymoon and so forth. But anyway, make long story short, you know, we finally got divorced uh, two years later. So uh, to, to whereby, you know, my thoughts about it in the sense of saying, well, we're still young, so let's go on with our lives, so to speak. And so that was uh, it from my end. But I can certainly relate to the thought in terms of like, okay, do I want to pull the plug or do I just need to go go with it? And then thinking that things will change. And as you know, things don't change because when you say I do, that means you accept a person as is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we can't change anybody else. I'm so glad you said that because that was another thing, too. Um, I'll change when this happens. I'll change when that happens. I'll change when this happens. And sometimes people just don't know what to do in order to change or they really don't want to change and they just are, you know, they're just making making uh, the words seem like that that's what's going to happen. And uh, so, so here's the big tip. You cannot change anyone but yourself. That's correct. So true. <laughs> so true. So true. When did you realize you were living a life of unimportance in a sense? Because, I mean, you uh, a little bit different because you went through the process because you have a, ch- a child. And I'm like you mentioned, your son came in and mentioned something to you. But it's a gradual process for you yourself as well because you have to make a yeah. decision for you. Yeah. So when I realized that everything that I loved, you know, we talked about the pottery and the crafting Mm -hmm. and the writing, and I I realized that everything that I loved to do, every bit of who I was got set aside uh, a little at a time until there was nothing but me and uh, this man that I had married and our baby at the time. Um, it It was as if I had, like, I turned my back on myself. And so I felt like I was living, um, I, wasn't, I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. I didn't know exactly what that was, but I needed to find out. It was one of these things where on a particular day um, when I was feeling this, uh, you know, life of unimportance mm-hmm. and insignificance and feeling like I was living a scripted life, I got in front of the mirror and I looked at myself with tears rolling down my huge, I was sobbing. And I remember looking in the mirror and saying, who are you and why are you here? And I, I didn't, the answers that I got back with that was, I don't know who I am. I completely lost myself to the insanity of the, the marriage that I was in. Um, and I had let go of everything that God had given me, my gifts, my talents, my, my abilities, my creative abilities. And I was living what I call the scripted life. And the mm. question of why, why was I here? Why are you here? Uh, the answer scared me. I, I didn't know. I didn't know at that point why I was here. I didn't know why I was still in the marriage. And I didn't know why I was on the planet at this time. And so it took a lot of soul searching. And it took a lot of writing, a lot of, um, a lot of steps physical steps that had to be made. I mean, I had to go into hiding. I had all kinds of things happen in my world. Eventually, I'll write the novel. But, (laughs) um, (laughs) you know, I felt like I didn't have any importance, like I wasn't important. I was made to believe or I bought the lie that I wasn't important and I lived what I call the scripted life until I had that life-defining moment in front of the mirror and I realized I needed to change. Very interesting. So, what is your definition of courage then? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I read somewhere that courage is fear that said its prayers. <laughs> uh-huh. So I, um, and then I, I, 
I believe that courage is doing the next thing before you and trusting that whatever the outcome is, if you do it with, if you do it with conviction in your heart and you do it with the intention that it's the right thing, um, that you can get through whatever it is that you're doing. And there are a lot of things that I had to go through and really feel the fear and do it anyway. You know, Susan Jeffers has a, a book called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway, and I read that book. Um, and I trusted that if God was with me, he was going to see me through whatever it is that was before me. And so my faith and my um, and my faith really through the moments of my life where I was fear-filled and not knowing what was next. And, mm-hmm. you know, it all works out in the end. It all works out in the end. So Fascinating, really fascinating. Looking back, did God abandon you or perhaps you ran away from him to discover yourself? Yeah, God didn't abandon me. I had a really interesting, really interesting conversation about this. So, um, you know, when I, when I said yes at the altar, I felt mm-hmm. like, you know, God had left me. I felt like my, my, my heart fell, my stomach dropped. I felt like, I felt like God had abandoned me because I didn't, I didn't pay attention. And it goes back to the guilt that I talked about earlier in this yeah. conversation, you know, with my dad. So I felt that God was punishing me for everything that, with everything that was going on in my life because I didn't walk away at the altar. And so it took a long time. I mean, I went into I went into Al-Anon because I was mm-hmm. I was part of my story is you know I was married to an alcoholic and drug user, and so um, I started having to look at myself. And um, <clears throat> they said you have to, you know, part of the twelve step program is come to believe that a power greater than yourself could restore you to sanity. I was in the insane mode, and I was like, oh, no, I'm not going there. God's punishing me. I'm not going there. <laughs> and so it was, a gradual, it was a gradual thing that happened that I started to trust little things. Like you can't – there's nothing there, – there's, no, um, there's no way to describe how you start to trust something. You just have to trust. You have to mm-hmm. let go of whatever it is. That is, that is happening in your brain telling you you can't trust or whatever, at least for me, um, mm-hmm. and just let it go one little, one little thing at a time. So eventually there was somebody in that, there was somebody that was, that was at the meeting on a regular basis that always used to say that <laughs> I always know God is near when, when a cardinal comes into my life, when I see cardinals all the time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this lady is off her rocker. And I'm like, <laughs> and so I, and I would judge her terribly. It was, it was, it was terrible. And, and I'm not a judgmental person, but I was, I was like, this woman is off her bird. Seriously. Oh, no pun intended. <laughs> so, so on one morning I was out for a walk and it was, it was a it was a morning after a really bad night and I was crying on the way home and I finally said, Okay God, if you're in my life, if you're really there, I need a sign. And I had a maple tree, huge red maple tree in my front yard at the time. Mm-hmm. And as I as I'm coming close to the house, I hear this very distinct sound. And if you've ever heard a cardinal, you know what they sound like. They have like this really short chirp that mm-hmm. they that and, and they're very distinct. And so I am getting closer to my house in the maple tree on where I can see clear as day is this little red cardinal and it's chirping at me. And I stopped in my tracks <laughs> and I looked up and I said, very funny. Very funny because I was asking God to give me a sign that he was in my life. And here comes the thing that I was most judgmental about right before me to tell me, yes, I'm in your life. And, and, and to my, to my, uh, in my brain, I heard that little thing that was on that sign of God seemed far away. Who do you think moved? And in my belly, in that place where, um, where I hear and feel God in my world, I, 
I almost heard him <laughs> giggle and saying, I never left. I was the one who moved. And so God did not abandon me. I took the long road home. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Thanks for sharing. So how did becoming a publisher contribute to your journey of self-esteem, empowerment, and as an overcomer? Um, well, I became a publisher when I was um, I was working with somebody else to help get their book published. I was basically um, project managing, and I was on a um, I was on a, a journey from Arizona to San Diego, California, and I was managing this project. And the woman that was driving said to me, "What are you doing?" And I told her, and she said, "You should start your own publishing company." And I'm like, "Really?" <laughs> I like my brain was not there, but. I realized that she was right, and so at the event, I got, she gave me an opportunity to present a project. She said, I'll be your first client, and we put together um, a compilation book from people who had um, used her, her uh, philosophies in creating mm-hmm. business, and they were the ones that told the stories for that, and we actually took that book to the number one bestseller in 2015, and that was how I... I learned that I had everything that I needed in order to be able to, um, you know, run my own publishing company and do all the, I could do all the pieces that I, I needed to be done. And so that in itself was empowering and, mm-hmm. and I could overcome mm-hmm. a lot of my, my fears and frustrations and whatnot. Just, and so I did. Fantastic. So what was the inspiration behind the compilation a daily gift of gratitude, which is a bestseller as well, that just been released in December. Yes, yes, thank you. Um, it was one of those conversations with God. I got this assignment a long time ago, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's kind of like, okay, so a daily gift, the daily gift book series. The title of the series was given to me probably about six or eight years ago, and. When I got this message, I knew that the first one was going to be gratitude. And so that's the reason why I started gathering stories. And so I've met a lot of people along the way uh, from when this quote-unquote assignment was given to me from God. I believe that he wanted me to do this and still wants me to do, wants me to do this series. So the next one is a daily gift of hope. Um, and that'll be, um, we'll talk about how people can get into that one, but I think that I learned my lesson about not listening to God at the altar. So I figured when I gave me this assignment, I better follow through. <laughs> I didn't want any trouble in that relationship, you know. So, um, and the time just wasn't uh, the time that um, that I needed in order to be able to put this all together and gather all the stories just wasn't seeming to happen until one day I said. I got another little prompt, and I said, all right, I'm doing it now. And that was when I started making phone calls and, and gathering people to tell their stories in the book. And I'm so grateful to have you as part of that book. Um, you I love it. a beautiful story. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the invite, by the mm-hmm. way. It really is a wonderful experience for me to be in your book. And I have to tell you, it was beautifully designed, and everyone needs to get a copy of it, like I say, because it's a page turner for sure. You want to read and find out the perspective of people looking through the lens of gratitude from around the world. I think that's the most important thing because you have that wonderful flavor. And I've always viewed life as a buffet line. So you need to be able to see the different perspective. And you'd be Mm -hmm. surprised on how it connects with you from that perspective. How did gratitude... Go ahead, I'm sorry. I said I totally agree. Every story... Not every story is for everyone, but there is something for everyone in this book because the stories are from individual perspectives, individual experiences, individual relationships, and each one of them carries its own message to whoever mm-hmm. it is that's reading the story. So Wonderful. How did gratitude contribute to your success and empowerment? So there's something that I say that's in the um, on the page in the book uh, that is speaking about the Grateful Hearts community that I'm putting together. 
mm-hmm. and that it's these words. When we're grateful, there's always enough, even more than enough. And without gratitude, there's never enough. So, and I, I, I came to this recognition when I was having a conversation with someone, um, and they were literally ranting about everything that was wrong in their life. Not one thing was good. And I stopped them and I said, now stop and tell me one thing you're grateful for. I'm not grateful for anything. What do you mean you're not grateful for anything? What about the roof over your head, the breath in your lungs, the children that you have, the grandchildren that they gifted you with? What about this person sitting across the table who loves you and is going through life with you regardless of what comes up. And I said it all in one breath and they went, Oh, (laughs) if you can't find something to be grateful for, think about how every single breath is keeping you alive. Yeah. And if you're grateful, you will always have enough. You will always have enough. That's my philosophy. And that's how, that's how gratitude, um, gets me through whatever situation I'm facing. I always find something to be grateful for in any given situation. Very interesting. Yeah, that's true. Very, very true. What is living an abundant life looks like through your eyes? So, you know, people think that abundance is always about money, and it's mm-hmm. not. And, and abundance is Uh, You know, it's not necessarily things. Abundance is an attitude. And the way that I feel like the way that you get it is through having an attitude of gratitude. Abundant relationships. Put time and effort into the relationships that you have. And the the people that are on the other side of that will do the same. That's abundance. Abundant uh, faith. I mean, faith in God is everything to me. And so when I when I'm in that space of feeling like I am abundantly being blessed by the creator of the world, I'm 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 grateful and I'm feeling like I am um you know empowered. Mm-hmm. I feel like you know all these the, the abundance and prosperity is not all about money. Relationships um uh, business, mm-hmm. you can you can find abundance and gratitude, abundance and uh, prosperity in every area of lo- of your life as long as you have a heart of gratitude because you will always find something that is good about what you're doing. And if it's, if you can't, then maybe you're doing the wrong thing. Maybe you need to change <laughs> your perspective and find something that you're grateful for and refocus. That's true. Very, very true. Well, Teresa, what is the best way to read and benefit from this incredible best-selling book? One page at a time. So, you know, <laughs> you're absolutely right. So, for me, I, I, when I, when, my daily gratitude practice starts with, uh, I read, I'll, I'll take a scripture from the Bible, or I'll read something inspirational. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll read, and then I will I will sit down and I'll write whatever's on my heart and make a list of the things that I'm grateful for that day. Is it always the same? Is it always five? Is it always ten? Is it always three? Uh, no, it's not. But for somebody who's starting out um, with this book, what I would say is flip through the book, just like stop wherever it stops, read what's in front of you, and then see how it hits how it hits your heart and what it is that you found in there that will um, spark that sensation or that feeling of being grateful and write about it in your journal and then list things that you're grateful for. That's the way this was meant to be used. Like you can go front to back one at a time, read them in order, or you can flip through and say, okay, I'm always surprised that when I do this, I flip through and say, what message do you have for me today, God? And I open it and it like hits my heart like it was specifically written and given to me at that exact moment. Do you ever experience that, Johnny? Mm-hmm. hmm When yeah. you let it flow, I think that's the difference because when I was growing up, I had this anal thing about I need to know what the end of the movie is. <laughs> yeah. In some ways, I do too now. But yeah, and it doesn't. It's not a spoiler for me, you know, because I want to know what the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah. But now I yeah. just let it go. <laughs> yeah. And so the thing is, is that everything that's in here, regardless of what 
what story you read, um, there's a message in it. And, um, you know, my hope is that people will um, find something that will change their life in the pages of these books, whether it's whether there's something that I've written personally or whether I've gathered authors from around the world, as in Daily Gift of Gratitude, um, and that they will they will find something of benefit to them, and it will touch their heart, and they'll develop an attitude of gratitude because that's where that's where life is most abundant and grateful in the grateful heart. So true. What this book does, the very least, it will ignite your interest. And the more you read mm-hmm. it, it becomes empowering. So if you let it go mm-hmm. without an end result, well, I'm going to be empowered at the end of this book. That's not the point. The point is to be informed and let your heart just take you for the right. And that's the difference. Exactly. Well said, Donnie. Well said. <laughs> Where can someone go to buy your books, get more information about your Grateful Hearts community, your podcast, and keep up with your latest happenings? So I have information on Facebook. You can look me up on Facebook. You can look up the Grateful Hearts community on Facebook. Join the community. We're developing the website right now. Um, The publishing company is Authentic Endeavors Publishing, and from that page you can find all the different imprints, uh, Book Endeavors, which is a children's book, Weeby Books, which is my collaboration with Kat Canavos that we're going to be working together on your next next coming book. Um, And we have Spirit Endeavors, which is the Daily Gift of Gratitude, and the upcoming books, the Gratitude Series is under there. And there's um, Kingdom Book Endeavors, which is the Christian platform. So all, all of that can be accessed through um, Authentic Endeavors Publishing. So, And if you want to know how what books are coming next in the Daily Gift Book Series, just go to dailygiftbookseries.com. The next two are going to be Daily Gift of Kindness and a Daily Gift of Hope. We're going to put out the hope one first. So if you're interested in becoming part of that, just go to dailygiftbookseries.com and click on the cover of the A Daily Gift of Hope and read all about how you can become um, an author in that book. And I'm, I'm sure in this time, anyone who has a story of hope, we are living in a crazy, crazy world these days. <laughs> And there are a lot of people who are going through life right now hopeless because of all the things that are happening and they don't know how to cope. So if you have a story of hope, Johnny, you personally and anyone who's listening to this, please go there and um, let's talk about how you can become part of that book because it will help a lot of people just like, um, you know, the Grateful Hearts community and a daily gift Mm -hmm. of gratitude. Well, thank you. Thank you for uh, the invite. And for everyone out there, check it out. I guarantee you, you will really like it. What is next for you? Well, those are the two things that are next for me, those books, those two books. And I have um, some children's books coming, new children's books coming from a couple of authors. Um, I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed to be able to help people tell their stories in books, whether it be through um, in addition to a compilation book, whether they've got their own book that they're writing or whether they have a children's story that they want to bring out to the world. So what's next for me is to populate the world with gratitude and with stories that are um, comforting, stories that are fun, stories that are life-changing. And I'm just taking it one step at a time and letting God guide, guide me as I walk this road. Wonderful. As we close this hour, since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? Sure. I have three statements. Pay attention. (laughs) Pay attention. Be Mm -hmm. grateful always. And trust God. Beautiful. That's wonderful. Well, Teresa, thank you for the wonderful recipes for living and for spending this hour with me. I'm from My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Wednesday morning, January 25th at 10 a.m. Central Time, U.S. My guest will be Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be having a conversation about their first book release for 2023, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Lessons Learned from My Dog. 
a perfect end cap to our January theme, The New Me, The Journey Begins. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed New Year. Teresa, it's been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a very blessed 2023. Thank you, Johnny. You do the same. I'll be talking to you again real soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.